Well, we've been at this for quite a long time, gathering online, gathering in these separate ways. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you. Whether you've been with us every week or this is the first time that you've checked in or if your habits have become sporadic, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your support and thank you for being faithful wherever you are and however you've found to be uh, in this bewildering and bizarre and fearsome time. And wherever you are and whoever you are, I just want to say God bless you and I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, Jesus has just left everyone in the church slack-jawed. His fame is beginning to spread throughout Galilee, and no sooner have they left the worship service than Jesus and his new disciples, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, head over to Simon Andrew's house for a big Sunday lunch. Now, theirs was just one of those houses everyone knew, Simon and Andrew's house. Everybody knew the address. It was the one with the fun birthday parties when they were kids. It was a gathering place for teenagers after high school let out. And on weekends, you'd find pickup basketball and sleepovers. And when it snowed, it was where everybody knew they could go for a good cup of rich, creamy, hot chocolate. It was just that house in the neighborhood. And when they get there, the house is quiet. And something doesn't feel right. Andrew and Simon go upstairs and they find their mother in her bed with a fever. And they had never seen her like this. And they're beginning to get a bad feeling. And they came back downstairs and they had this worried look in their eyes when they, they, their eyes met Jesus' eyes. Jesus knew something. Something was bothering them deeply. And so they told him, Mom's sick. Mom's sick, and we got a bad feeling about this. So Jesus goes back up to the bedroom, and he goes with them, and he finds her lying there. And we can just imagine Jesus, who just an hour ago had calmed someone from yelling at him in the middle of a sermon. Gentle Jesus now, cupping his hand over the woman's head. And realizing the seriousness of the situation, he looks across the bed at Simon and Andrew as if to say, don't be afraid, friends. Then Jesus takes his hand from her forehead, and then he takes her hand in his, and he lifts her up. And the word here is the same for raised up. It's the same word we get in Mark about 19 other times. It's the same word we hear from the man dressed in white right outside the tomb when the women are gathered there, frightened and amazed. And he tells them, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Well, he's not here. He's been raised up. And we get these little hints of resurrection all the way through Mark and other Gospels, foretastes and foreshadowings of resurrection. And one of the categories of these foretastes is Jesus' miracles of healing. 
Jesus takes Simon and Andrew's mother by the hand. He raises her up. Her fever leaves her in an instant, and within an hour she's back to her normal busy self and making her special spaghetti sauce for the big Sunday lunch. And as soon as lunch is over, the disciples are back out on the streets and describing what has just happened, and by sundown, the word is out. And the whole city is gathered around the door, and Jesus has his hands full curing fevers and other illnesses and casting out demons. Can we imagine the glorious commotion and the excitement that's surrounding uh, this house and all the hope of that evening? Can you imagine seeing all of these people bringing out their loved ones or themselves and waiting in the courtyard, waiting their turn, watching the sick and the ill people entering one way and coming back out, the same door standing taller their color returned to their faces, furrowed brows now at ease, springs in their step, one long face after another entering through the door, and one radiant countenance after another coming out. And the excitement and the hope are building in you too. As, as you wait for your own family or your own friend or yourself to see if this miracle healer can take you by the hand too and raise you up. Now, I've typically read this story as just one of the Jesus' many healing miracles. But if we zoom out just a little bit from this scene, not, up, not all the way up into the clouds, but just 30 feet or so, we'll just move up to the third story, look down on this two-story house to get a more comprehensive view. I believe we might just be able to see something especially intriguing. If we look at this event on this special evening from this more comprehensive uh, perspective, we may not only see Jesus healing people, we may also see a house and a front yard full of people gathered around a healing Jesus. And in my way of thinking, that's also what we call church. There's a, spe a specific way that Baptists have thought about church from the beginning. Baptists have said to the question, what is church? Church is wherever two or three are gathered. They, they interpret Matthew 18, 20 in this very particular way. Before church had been wherever the priest had been or wherever the, the sacraments had been administered, but Baptist said, no, there's something more to it than that. It, it's wherever Jesus is and people are gathered around Jesus, that's the church. It's gathered. It's the gathered church. And that's one of the gifts that Baptists have, have offered to the whole church. And that's what Baptists have been saying church is for over 400 years. And here we have perhaps hundreds of people gathered around a healing Jesus. This is one of the earliest pictures we have of what church is and what church ought to be. A community of hopeful people gathered around Jesus, longing to see him, longing to be touched by him, even if they've never heard of him until that very afternoon. But if you'll follow me just a little bit deeper into the story, I want to show you something else. 
Mark calls Simon and Andrew's house an oikon. That's the Greek. That's the common Greek word for house. But it's also one of the root words for our English word econ, economy. So I want to invite you, as you imagine yourself floating over the scene and imagining it as one of the very earliest glimpses of church, to see it also as a little glimpse of a healing economy. This is not only a picture of what church ought to be, but a little eruption of God's kingdom economy, a, manifest, a manifestation of God's dream for abundant life, a real-time sighting of our future and our destiny in God, not only for baptized believers, but for everyone in the city. In telling this story, Mark offers us a blueprint for a church to be a thriving, healing economy. A people gathered in and around a house and a place where Jesus shares his power indiscriminately with everyone in the city. Now, if you follow me just a little bit deeper into the story, I want to show you what I believe. Is that this is our story too. Across the past year, as you've engaged in our online worship services and other media, you will have noticed that one of the common occurrences is either a video footage that begins at our door and zooms out over the sanctuary and then across to the city, or instances of our members and friends standing and reading scripture and praying and testifying and doing missions around downtown Asheville and uh, and the region. All of this has been intentional. It is all meant to help us strengthen our imagination about who we are and why we exist and who we as a church exist to serve. So I know it's just been such a strange and difficult chapter of our lives. It doesn't matter how old you are, even if you're a little kid. This is strange. This is hard. This has been a most supreme challenge, not only for our congregation, but for congregations, communities of faith around the world. That's what we do. We congregate. We gather. That's part of what substantiates our ability to say what we are. We are a gathering, but we have not been able to gather the way we know how to do it best. It's been difficult, to say the very least. But I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid of this fever. I don't want you to be afraid of what's going to happen to us. I don't want you to be afraid of being diminished on, a, on the other side of this because we have a mission and we have a passion and we have strengths among our own very particular congregation to be just this kind of healing house that if you zoom out on it, you see people gathered around the front door of this place across our time and history and story, longing to see Jesus, to meet Jesus, to be touched by him, to be changed by him. And I don't see that dynamic changing 
pandemic or no. It's been our strength to be a healing house, a gathering place. So let's take that strength and and zoom out on it and, and continue to dream and imagine what it might look like for us in an economy that has taint and splintered to be the kind of place that as vaccinations rev back up and the economy revs back up and people are out and about again looking and longing for a place to gather and a Jesus to come close to and a God to find them and give them strength and healing that they might find that here and a little house, a little economy of hope and healing and resurrection. Join me in that hope, will you? Don't be afraid. Join me in that hope that as we begin to move out of this difficult time, that we will stand on our strengths to be able to say to our whole city and to be a glimpse for the nation and the world even, of what a house of healing, a house of hope, a house of resurrection can look like. Now if you just follow me one little step deeper into the story. A reminder, if you will. How did all these people end up around the house? Simon, Andrew, James, and John after they've eaten all that spaghetti, which isn't in the text, but if you read into it, it's definitely there. It's definitely spaghetti here somewhere. And they're feeling like, really, they, under normal circumstances, they would want to take a nap. They, they leave the house, and they go out to all their neighbors and their friends, and they say, you've got to come to my house. And people say, why? Jesus is there. He's healing. He healed my mother, and he can heal you. So at a time when they, were, they could have stayed home and been comfortable and rested, they went out, and they told the story, and they invited people back to their house so that they could be close to Jesus too. And so that's our invitation. Doesn't matter the circumstances. Doesn't matter... The temperature of the fever doesn't matter what situation we're in right now. Whoever we are, wherever we are, we can tell this story. We can move out into the neighborhoods and share with our friends and our neighbors and even strangers and say, look, there's, there's a place, there's a place I know that you can find healing and hope and foretaste of resurrection. Will you come? So let's get to it. Go on. Go. After the benediction, get out of the house. Extend the invitation to resurrection.